Welcome to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Welcome back to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Happy birthday, Calvin. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Moving on to other things. Um, we went to a capital, uh, go-go capital game or whatever it's called. Right? Mm-hmm. She enjoyed herself. She liked the Capri Sun packets that they gave, which was full of alcohol. The, the arena didn't do that. There's, they're doing a cutesy little pop-up shop. There's like a place pop-up, outs- shop. pop-up yeah. shop outside the arena that does some... That wasn't there before. I appreciate it being there. And they and, gave us adult Capris. And, adult Capri Suns. And we had good seats. We sat next to kids who really didn't like the popcorn. And they let it be known. Uh, what else happened? It was a good, it was a good night. We watched uh, the Capital Go Go. It honestly it was a little bit of a roller coaster because Capital Go Go wasn't doing well, and then towards the very end of the game, all of a sudden, it looked like oh, they might win, and then no, they didn't. They were Go Go fantastic. So it was interesting. Also, Calvin got really go, mad go gadget, great. at a player that apparently was in the NBA, had made it to the major league, and then didn't anymore he's now in the g G league i want to call it g unit he's in the g league i guess he's not motivated enough that's why he's there who who knows but it's his life my thing is they're still getting paid to play so if that was the goal Uh, goal succeeded no the goal is to make it to the nba he did Uh, and technically isn't the g league still attached to nba it's not the nba it's not the end it's not the nba but it's attached to the nba yes so in technicalities. You're right. You're correct. Again. You're so crazy. Okay. So I found an Instagram versus um, from Old School Loving. That's on Instagram. They <gasps> Old do school loving. original song versus the cover of that song. And some of these songs I had no idea were covers. And it turns out they're original songs. So because Calvin knows so much about music, I wanted to see if I could stump him gonna play the original song and see if you can guess who does the cover who and then done it. play the cover and see how that goes who done it better and That's... he's he's gonna listen to the original first make his guess and then we'll listen to the cover and see if he's right this is her thing who done it better okay let's more see. better blues <laughs> more better blues okay so let me get this together so um okay he said, okay, all right, first one's up. All right, who's that? That's Bobby Womack. Okay. If you think you're lonely now, I'm assuming you can play the Casey and JoJo version now. Oh. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Because I had no idea they did a cover of it at all. They did a cover of that. They did a cover of uh, Stevie Wonder's Lately. Interesting. They've done a lot of covers. Um, Both song, both versions are great. Okay. I love Bobby Womack's a little bit better, but. His is the original, so his is not yeah, a cover. I, well, I like his version better. Okay. A little bit better. Um, But Casey Jojo did a hell of a. A job. They are ridiculously they talented. They did it. They did. They did a lot of good justice to that song. They are. Do you know they're related to Fantasia? You know they're her cousins. Oh, I'm not shocked. I I was like, what? 
they uh put their own spin on it. And they made they pretty much made that song theirs, so but they, they pretty much KC has the same ah! as Bobby Womack almost, so Okay. But all right, one for Calvin. All right, next one. I know this song. You're gonna play the uh okay. Tevin Campbell version next. So who, so what is the song then? Um I don't remember the name of the song. You better me. Tevin Campbell did it with uh what's his face? Quincy Jones. You're right though. Yeah. Uh it's called it's called Tomorrow Better Tomorrow, You Better Me. Yeah. And I don't uh, know who did the original. The original is by the Brothers Johnson. Okay. Those are dudes I think. Okay. Um. And then that's heaven. On the Brothers Johnson did Strawberry Letter. So, yeah. But okay. The Tevin, I like the Tevin Campbell but version. You're two way for better. two. Okay. The Tevin Campbell version of that song was way better. Okay. Now it came on when I was like a kid. Okay. All right, next one. You ready? Wow. wow! You can stop it. Uh, okay. You can play the Teddy Prendergrass after that. Okay. TKO. I did not know that was a cover, though. Exactly. There's like so wow. many in here. This is by David Oliver, back in 1980. We can all say Teddy P made it a, made it a legendary song. Oh, maybe, maybe we can. That's Teddy's, and then there's another one in here. Somebody else did a cover of it. I'll wait for it to come through. It takes a minute because Teddy's very demanding of time. But yeah, I he thought his be. was the original. He made it his own song. He definitely did. He I, stole I def- someone. He literally stole someone else's song. Oh, here's Love Wars also did it. Womack and Womack. Get that trash out of here. <laughs> it's not trash. We all know Teddy P. They just P. chose like a slower go. We all it. know Teddy P won that battle. Next. I don't know. Dan Oliver's is pretty good. The original is pretty decent. Dan Oliver who? Exactly. Teddy P. <laughs> okay. Oh, one more person did it. We don't need to hear that person's version either. Her name is Regina Bell. Oh, Regina Bell? Yeah. Okay. She did it in the 90s. This is a very 90s cover. She's in a fur coat with she little like, Kim hair. She, she looks like Either Cardi B or uh, Patti LaBelle. Yep. Mixture of the two. All right, so you're three for three, Calvin. I know I am. You know you are? Because I'm pretty good at this. You want to test your luck and do one more? Sure. Okay. You're going to play the Luther Vandross version after that. Okay, let's see. You said that was uh, Luther Vandross? Yeah. 
That is Freddie Jackson. Fred, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Freddie Jackson. Fantastic. Stumped him. That's all I wanted Freddie to do. Jackson. Thank you for joining our show. Freddie I did Jackson. stump him, and that was my goal. Fantastic. It took me three uh, tries, but we got there on the fourth. I was. I knew it was one of them. But we got there on the fourth. That was Freddie Jackson. So Freddie Jackson did it. Uh, Howard Johnson did it. Mm. You want to hear his? Oh, no. Howard Johnson's the original. Just kidding. I lied to you. Howard Johnson's the original. Freddie Jackson redid it. I got that song mixed up with um, Luther Vandross. Happen that's a party. Doom, doom, doom. It's a similar doom, beat. It's a similar doom, doom. beat. I'm not going to lie to you. Doom, doom, doom. I got it mixed up with that. It's a similar beat. I got it mixed up with that. It was Freddie Jackson. Do you want to try one more for all the marbles? Sure. Okay. Why stop now? <laughs> okay. One more for all the marbles. So many plays. So, so Stacey Ladisaw did it. Somebody else okay. did it. Uh, so this, the original, RB group did it. The original was from 1968. Did you know that? It's a female that did it in like 68, right? It's a girl group that did it. Girl a girl group, group did it. Uh, let. Well, this is a singular singer. Leslie Valentine, 1968, did it. And then, yes, yeah, Stacey, Stacey Lattimore did a lot of, like, 60s covers. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Here, here's the also, other person. This is The Moments. Yeah. I found love on a lonely highway. That's the version I Listen, know. This is a good job. This, whoever wrote that song, making money forever. Because it's a good song. That's the version I know in a Stacey Lattimore version. And so, uh, so it was done in '68. It got remade in '70, two that, years later. But that male group, by a male, moments, an all male group, and then Stacy. Then Stacy did it like in the '80s. That's the one I know her for. This is 1981. Oh, look at that, Calvin. And that's the, to my knowledge, this is her, this is one of her biggest songs, isn't it? Yeah. This is the one that made her a staple. Yeah. So there you go. With a grown woman voice. So Calvin lost one, but then he gained it right back. Oh, I got a trick one for you. If you can tell me which, who covers this original song, then we'll stop finally. We'll be done. <laughs> we'll be dead. Well, okay. okay. He said, well, okay. Sure. Okay. I don't know. I know you know the song. Yeah, I don't know what. Hey there, lonely girl. So I didn't know that they changed it from boy to but girl. Girl, yeah. Hey yeah. there, lonely girl. Oh, I don't know who it is. Original group. It came out. It came out in 1963. Martha and the the Vandellas also oh, did Martha one in '63. But she's not the original. Another group did it. That was the original. Let me go back. Some Hispanic. No black group. Black group. Black group. Um, the very best of Ruby and the Romantics. This is the original group. They're a. Uh, it's a gorgeous black woman, bunch of guys. It's very, uh, what's yeah. her face in the pips? Yeah. Gladys in the pips. Gladys Knight. And they sang, hey, lonely boy. And then uh, the Vandals redid it, also did lonely boy. Who did it in the 70s? Little and then it changes over to lonely girl. Who does that? That's the version I remember. So, if you can tell me one group that, covered this i give it to you i don't know their names 
a lot of groups covered it. I'll give you that. I don't know if those are the Manhattans. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Oh, so that's this is the one you recognize. Yeah, that's the Dell. This is Eddie the Holman. Del, the Delphonics. No, this is Eddie. He's singular guy. Eddie. Eddie Holman. Holman. Yeah, that's what I remember. With the high falsetto. Yeah. So that got released in six. So this is all consecutive. First one sixty three. Next one sixty five. This is in sixty nine. There's not that much space, but they're all doing their own renditions of it. They were all hits. Yeah. I have never heard that one. That sounds like some Wilson Pickett stuff. It does, but it's someone named Eddie Floyd. Uh, he's from the uh, Woody uh, uh, Pickett era. Okay. He's from that James 1970 Brown Pickett era. Uh, what's his name? The other dude. So many of them. Off his album "California Girl," love it. All right. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know the group. So I thought you were gonna say. Oh, this is this is a nice version. I was gonna say what? They're still going. There's another group in here. I thought you were gonna say, and you'll probably know them as soon as they start singing. So this next one was the soft tones. It's called from an album called Black Magic, which I'm gonna immediately Google and put into my Spotify. Also, look at that album cover. It's dope. It's just a black woman. Sure it Gorgeous. is. Uh, all the Gorgeous. album covers back then was a black woman. New edition. This is Stacy Lattisaw. Stacy Lattisaw. Oh. For whatever reason, Stacy did a lot of sixties covers. covers. Yeah, um, it has that new edition sound. This came out the same year as the other one, as uh, the first song. But I don't remember her covering this. Also, was not alive in eighty one. So that probably is why I don't remember. But yes, New Edition also covers it. I think they're going to play after Stacy. That's it. Oh. I didn't realize New Edition did a whole album of 60s covers. I guess this is for they got Bobby. I Because there's only Roddy. There's only. Ronnie. Ronnie. Mickey. Mickey, Mikey. Mickey. Yeah. Ronnie. Mike. Ronnie. Mike. Bivens, Ronnie, Mike, Ricky, and Ralph. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ronnie, Mike, Ricky, Ralph. So their Blue Moon album is them doing covers. Okay, yeah. That's only them four. But there you go. Learning some new things. And I stumped him once, but he won everything else. So he basically still remembers everything. But so yes. congratulations. I'm great. <laughs> All right. So, uh... Stay tuned. We're going to talk about Worth the Watch. And it was a doozy of a watch. Do you like that? Because we like that. Listen to us on all podcast platforms, especially Spotify. Interact. Do all the things. Because you know we like that. All right, this week's Worth the Watch was an insane documentary on Peacock called Dangerous Breed, Crime Cons Cats. Oh my God, this, this documentary. You know what? This documentary kept wanting, I kept wanting to turn it off, but then I was like, something else crazy is happening. I have to keep watching it. Yeah, it's pretty much a, it's following this filmmaker, wannabe filmmaker named Frederick. 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 
I call him Frederick because I don't know if he's a liar or not. Because so, some of the stuff he says in here is kind of like, why Frederick? <laughs> why does Frederick mean liar? Like, <laughs> because it does. Because it does. Okay. But his name is Frederick Cro. I think it's Crotesh. K R O E T S C H. Crotesh. Okay, so I say we break it down with the crime, the cons, and the cats. Okay. okay? Sure. So the crimes portion of this, unfortunately, is a lot. There is uh, allegations of sexual assault, rape, abuse, false imprisonment, all by these ladies that are in Teddy's life. We also have. The missing woman that was a former girlfriend of his, Samantha. Samantha Fiddler. Yep, Samantha Fiddler. Which eventually this documentary kind of makes it the focus of it, but not until almost the third episode. Um, also, Teddy's dealings with being on the run. <laughs> being on the run. Steroids. All kinds of insane other crazy stuff that he seemingly keeps getting away with. And we find out it's because of his family name, which is Hart. And we find out he's actually connected to the famous wrestling family, the Hearts. And uh, the fact that he is, he's got a father that's in a position of power to get him like really high quality lawyers to get him off of all of these things. So if you don't know, the Hart family are legend is a legendary family within the wrestling business. Pretty much their father pretty much trained majority of the great wrestlers and legendary wrestlers that you've heard of. Like the Hulk Hogan's. Uh, what's The Rock's father's name? What was his name? Rocky. Rocky. Um, probably The Rock. Uh, maybe uh, Terry Funk. All yours. A lot of your WWF Hulk. superstars. Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, yeah. Hulk Terry the, Hulk. the Macho Man probably. You can name, and then also the legendary hearts, uh, Jim the Anvil Hart, I think that's his name, or Greg. Um, they had Owen Hart and the most legendary of the group, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, mm-hmm. and also uh, the British Bulldog, mm-hmm. um, which were like two of my favorite wrestlers, the British Bulldog and um, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. The British, I used to put the, the British Bulldog on the video games when they had him back in the day when I was a kid. But... um. Because you could just spam the hell out of this move. That's what made it so fun. And pissed people off so much. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. Um, so he's from that legend. Those are his uncles. Right. His mom is a heart. So he was so good as a wrestler when he was coming up that at 16. Teddy. He, Teddy was so Teddy good. Teddy was so good. At 16, he tried to start his own wrestling. He was, that's right. He successful. Well, he successfully successful. started his own wrestling. Gym. Training gym. gym. Yeah. Called like the, the Heart Dungeon 2 or something like that. Yeah. Then he was the youngest to ever sign a WWE contract. At the time. At the time at yeah. 18. Which was like the early 2000s when this was happening. But he quickly spoiled that because he can't be coached. He was let go by WWE. They said he was untrainable. <laughs> untrainable. He does what he wants to do and he doesn't stick to the script. Right. And there's several instances of him doing exactly that. So once he got fired from the WWE, he goes to another uh, wrestling corporation. They have so pretty much if you don't know, wrestling is heavily scripted. Surprise! So they have a script. Okay, you're gonna do a moonsault off this cage one time. That's it. Teddy decides I'm gonna do it nine thousand times. 
unprompted. Unprompted. I'm not going to communicate this with anyone. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to keep doing 9,000 times. The, the point is, he basically screws himself out of that professional WWE deal. Not WWF, right? WWE. Yeah. He pr- screws himself out of the independent circuit, too. Because he's unpredictable and puts people in, in danger. After his multiple somersaults off the cages, they kick him out. The wrestlers literally get together and throw him out. They have to. They beat his it ass and throw so him out. so dangerous. Because he's almost killed probably all of them. It's to the point where his reputation in the wrestling community is pretty much tarnished. Is tarnished around Canada, so he's got to do a bunch of these like underground, underground shows, like backyard wrestling matches. Yes, literally. Yes. So that's, but that's the wrestling part. His crimes is the sexual assault, this entrapment, abuse towards women in his life, but also drugs. The whole time he's doing this, he's a hell of a talker. He's able to manipulate people into doing whatever he wants them to do, sort of, kind of. That may also make me wonder, is it because he's talking or because of who he is? You know what I mean? I think it's mainly because who he is. Because if you listen to the people, they all say, we're going to get trained by this legendary uh They heart. all say it. They all relate it back to the Hart family. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And we know he got connections to Hart because he's a nephew. Right. All of, he's a nephew or right. grandson. So... We right. know we can if, if we can just stay with him. Right. Maybe we get to go in the heart dungeon too and None get trained by actual great wrestlers. None of them do. None of them ever make it there. But yeah, so the con is definitely that this idea that he's bigger than he actually is, which he tries to sell very, very hard, and is almost successful in that endeavor. Except that you know he's an abuse of his head to and around him. The whole time he's doing this. He's also breeding these Persian cats. He's like my side hustle. My other passion is breeding Persian cats. And there's documented footage in the documentary of these poor cats really not being taken care of very well. One of them is given birth in a litter box. It, it's so many things happening at one time. Did we, uh, we, we never see him sell a cat. No, they end up getting taken away because the lawsuit happens. Mm-hmm. And remember he said they took all his stuff away from his house? Yeah. It was... Your CSPA people. The Can- Canadian version? Uh-huh. Okay. Thank God. Um, But this documentary, and so... so that, that's the cons, and then and the cats, basically. Crime, cons, and cats. The documentary starts out with the focus of it being Teddy and his connection to the Hart family. Then it pivots to his assault on women. Then it pivots to this missing woman in particular, Samantha Fiddler. Fiddler. So we learned that his wife, was she really married to him? Yeah, she was legally married to him. They had to get divorced. Okay. They, Teddy brings it up that like they're swingers, right? That's what he presents to the filmmaker as so, the filmmaker's filming them. So, and his wife is like, yeah, I guess she goes out and gets this one girl. She didn't. That was a lie, remember? Oh, well, that was the lie that Teddy told. He was already seeing this girl. At some point, he finally brings her into the home and puts his wife and her under one roof. But somehow he's keeping them separated. So that he said, so she says in the documentary. But at some point, they start talking to each other. And they started trading abuse, I guess, uh, conversations how Teddy abuses both of them and chokes them out and does all this thing. He would literally put them in like a wrestling chokehold and actually put them to sleep sometimes. He also raped them and sexually assaulted them. So they started talking. So the wife funds a trip for Teddy to go wrestle 
in America. While he's there, they both get a U-Haul and they leave the premises. Then they go to the police and file a report of what Teddy did to them. So now, while Teddy's, I guess, wrestling abroad, he has charges on him. So I guess he finds out and decides to go on the run. Well, because he returned to Canada. When he returns to Canada, he finds out about those charges. He decides to leave again. He decides to try to go to America, but it doesn't work. Because he's with this, he meets this girl in America, another wrestler. No, he no, he met her in Canada. That girl's from Canada. She's from Canada? Yes. I thought the whole time she's from America. No, they flew together to America, but when they were, when they made it to America to go, when they started going through customs, oh, this, this, they got caught up. This is so confusing. So, anywho, he meets this other wrestling chick. They leave together. The point is, he's never without a woman to take care of him somehow. Somehow, miraculously, he there's has, always somebody, usually a lady, who's there to take care of him. He has what we will call the gift of gab, I guess. I don't know if it's that or the heart name. Could be both. We know it's not the gift of gab. So it's the heart name. We're just going to assume it's the heart name. So, he comes back. They arrest him. Did he even arrest him? So, he went to the States. He made it to the States. But when he was going through customs is when he popped. I don't know what they were checking or how it came up, but him going through customs to make it to the U.S. is when he got popped. That's why the girl was being deported. Okay, she She gets deported back. They were deporting the cat, they were deporting her, and they were taking him into holding. He stayed in a Texas prison, remember? Okay, so now this is when we finally meet his parents in a documentary who I thought didn't exist or didn't love him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they love him from a distance. I feel, if that makes sense. Yes, it very much gives you like wealthy parents that know their child's destructive, but they're not going to do anything to stop it or get any type of help. Right, but they're going to pay to to fix it and clean up his message. Like yes. I said, his dad said some of the most some of the most gangsterish stuff I've ever heard. When they ask him to introduce himself, they're like, are you Teddy's father? And he's like, do I have to be? And it's... Meaning he knows he's a disappointment. Like, the tone wasn't like, joke, joke. It was like, <sighs> Then, he literally says, the only people that are in jail are people who don't have good lawyers. I was like, god damn. The saying of the goddamn year. Basically. Me, for it's, me. it's in the third episode. It's right after the ex-wife is given this full breakdown of how they tried to get this case pushed in court and it got dismissed out of court entirely because of a technicality that Teddy's high paid attorney found and was able to successfully push even though they had all this video evidence of what they went through because they were able to like say they were like cooperating or talking to each other they were cooperating a story together it therefore got dismissed. That's insane. Because I think she said they weren't talking, but we all know they were talking because they were living in the same house. Well, I mean, they were living in the same house, but the phrasing that the lawyer was setting up was that they had a distinctive plan to frame Teddy. And that's like, that's not what happened. We didn't talk till I, we were like really talk talk until we were out of the house. So the documentary goes, uh, there's three episodes. So the first one is pretty much you getting... Teddy and his background and all this stuff. Then the second doc, the second episode is like, mm-hmm. um, pretty much him. It's more Teddy, and then inter- and inter- the inner space it with Samantha. 
Samantha as well. That, that's when Samantha comes into the but fold. But also the lawsuits as well. The we lawsuits start learning as well. more about the, the crimes he's facing. And the third is pretty much like Samantha. The, the epilogue of Samantha missing, yeah. his ex-wife coming back and giving proof and showing the proof. They, and the they, filmmaker trying to make amends. Samantha's the catalyst for the third episode. The yeah. wife stuff comes into play. And that the random girl that got deported. Yeah. She gives her backstory. In the she third gives episode. her backstory. All of that, I think, was to showcase Teddy's character. Like, presenting how Teddy's character isn't... Trustworthy. Trustworthy, but also abusive. Like, it's he's got a yeah. history of it, basically. Even though I feel Mental it took and physical way abuse. too long to get there. Yeah. That was all of the third episode. Was like, Teddy's not trustworthy. He's mad abusive, and he's not accountable for any of his actions. And also, I think it was for the filmmaker to get some type of... <sighs> I want to say big hero light on him, honestly. Yeah, to get, like, he... He came in to save the day, White Knight. Yes, yes, yes. Because, if, like you said, it's, uh, he, keeps bringing, he keeps bringing everything back to him. He does, throughout the entire documentary. He's like, I knew I was in a predicament. I knew I shouldn't keep doing it. I knew that this wasn't something that needed to be followed, but I did. The third was like him getting his moral compass back. All of a sudden, he's like, Samantha's All of a sudden, missing. You know, damn it, I'm going to help them find Samantha. It's the last thing I do. I'm going to make this documentary mean something if I have, to, if I can. I'm going to make this, all these 20 years or 10 or 15 years, yeah. however long he was filming them, mean yeah. something. Over a decade, absolutely. And I'm going to pit it to him because he made my life a living hell when I was filming, when he could have just stopped filming at any time he at wanted to. Any time he could have been like, this is not going to be a good go. Let me, let me swift things. Let me change stuff around. Nope. So the titles for the episodes are, the first one is A Tall Tale. That's the first part uh, episode. The second episode Part two is the nine lives of Teddy Hart, which kind of it talks about his cat. Yeah, but it's also he kind of does have nine lives. Does he? Nothing ever really sticks to him. Uh, but I would argue that that second episode doesn't really showcase how it doesn't stick. The third episode definitely does. The third episode is called Cat and Mouse. Third episode definitely does. They talk more about the Samantha stuff. They talk more about the potential abuse she was facing. Uh, they get. Supposed witnesses to come and talk. Friends that Samantha had down where she was before she was stranded by him. And stuff that come out the woodwork. And then like to further illustrate the abuse of power that Teddy has. All of a sudden the ex-wife comes back. And the side girl. And uh, how the allegations shook out in court. And if you notice him when you watch the documentary. He gets a certain image or style when he's in high school. When he starts wrestling. He never changes it. It's the same look. It's the same look the whole 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. He never updates it. He never changes it. He's the same. It's a. It's like, uh, what was that movie with uh, Will Ferrell? He only has one look. He looked like Limp Biscuit. He kind of did. Yeah. Fred Dersh, whatever that dude's name yep. is. He only has one look. <gasps> yep, it's George and a, long, and a baseball cap. Long jorts and a baseball cap. God, I got to remember the name of that movie. It'll come to me. Zoolander. Zoolander. He's like, <gasps> Magnum. He only has one look. Am I taking crazy photos? He only has one look. He looks right. He only looks right. But to Teddy's credit, he never says that he's a man of many looks. He has the one. And so, but he has these god-awful gaudy chains that he loves to wear. It's one chain. And I don't know if you noticed, he wears it the entire time. Is it one? Because it seems it's like it one. keeps getting gaudier and gaudier. Nope, it's one. Oh, God. 
I know it's the same cross look. It's one necklace. I just think it's the same necklace. He just gets it bigger. It's, it's a, like it's, different sizes. It's one. It's okay. Anywho, I'm being, I guess, outvoted. It's it's one, but it's all you know. He is a, he has one look. That's all you need to know. The point is, this documentary is all over the place. It's chaos incarnate. It's also a sad story of a missing woman, an ind- a missing indigenous woman, that uh, honestly is. The family isn't really getting a lot of help from law enforcement on. Her parents aren't really looking for her. Or they might be. They're just not. Are they her parents? I'm still confused about the parents' story regarding her. Because she sounds like she were adopted. They talk about the religion that they had growing growing up. But they also talk about how fiercely Samantha held on to her Cree heritage. Why would she need to do that if her parents weren't also Cree? I don't know. But the only people who are looking for are her sister. Yeah, and her, her, her and best her friend, friend. And her best friend. And now the filmmaker. And now the filmmaker, apparently. It's a bunch of twists and turns. And how the filmmaker didn't know something was wrong mm-hmm. is amazing. Hopefully you guys heard me the whole time. I was looking up and talking. Hopefully I was in the mic. Because <laughs> um, I was trying to gather my thoughts. Because this, this dude looks like a psycho. Teddy or the filmmaker? Teddy. Okay. And the filmmaker is a psychopath for staying and filming th- this. I just thought he was greedy. For so long. Teddy definitely looks like he's living in his own delusional world. But this filmmaker looked like I'm going to make a name for me. I'm going to get celebrity by Somehow, doing this. So I'm going to stick it out. Even when I want to stop, even when I think I should quit, I'm going to stick it out because I think I'm going to get celebrity from this. And I'm going to become a great filmer filmmaker somehow right this is going to be a stepping stone for me to further this career and then i could probably make some other great uh what he wanted to do he says he was a his a historical filmmaker how i don't know but but he wanted to be taken seriously in the news world that was what he was trying to yeah, do yeah so you see throughout this documentary some of teddy friends of stock and say some things so pretty much if Samantha goes missing in Florida. That's our last known whereabouts is in Florida. Teddy took her down there and took her to another wrestling gym down there in Florida who's also ran by another shady character. Yes, it's very crazy and chaotic. So hopefully you guys will check it out. Just be warned that it's very chaotic. It's not a straight line. It's not a straight line. At all. If you're not interested in wrestling or the hearts... Or true crime, in a very loose, loose way, true crime, it's not going to be worth the watch. It's like it's go forward, back, middle, end, back to middle, clean it up, end. It's very much like a traffic accident. Like, you don't want to look, but you keep looking. Because you keep wanting to say, this guy can't keep doing this. Because you start it, and you're like, this is crazy. And then it gets crazier. And then it gets crazier. And it gets crazier. So, and but again, it's also not structured well. And so. no one stops the chaos. Yeah, and no one stops the chaos. So that that's pretty much it. That is dangerous breed crime cons cats. Kind of recommended if you're into wrestling storylines. It's kind of worth it. Otherwise, it might be a good skip. you guys know that we have an email account 
Email addresses we like that dat podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we like that podcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and hit us up with what you are watching and see if we like that. Because we might like that. We really might. And we'd love to hear from you. All right. So time for the Chantel family and life after Isn't it called the family Chantel? Oh, yeah. Chantel. Whatever. It's over. That's all you need to know. It was honestly, it was sad. It was sad. I give Chantel a lot of grief about her. I, I don't really think she's crying. Uh, also, some of her complaints about Pedro that I feel were like glaringly obvious. But I feel like this was one of those rare instances where reality TV character Chantel and real Chantel crossed over. And I think it was during that fight they had in the, in the DR, which was random. So, if you don't know, Chantel and her brother, they beg for a sit-down mm-hmm. with Pedro and his family. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. They demand a sit down. Of how, like, the family is messing with them because they sent the voodoo box. Granted, they sent them pinatas. There's nothing. Anyway, but. Felt like we were in a a John Wick. A terrible gangster movie, honestly. A John Wick movie. We demand a sit down. She she gets to the DR. (laughs) She doesn't let Pedro know. She calls him up and is like, I demand you meet me. And he's like, What is. What do you want to meet me for? Can't tell. Like, what is happening? I just want to move on to my life. Just let me move on to my life. She, first, she tells him to stay out of her life. She gets mad that they sent the package. She's like, stay out of my life. Stay away from my family. And then she's like, I demand you meet me. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. That This is this is counteractive to what you're you're saying. But they do their meetup. And basically, long story short, this was just a slow buildup of how she just really wanted a last last fight out with Pedro because she is really hurt by the divorce. And that's basically what she does. They meet up. Uh, Nicole says that she's had something done to her mouth. She honestly looks a little sick, but she's had something done with her mouth, so she's all masked up. And for, for like the first time in a very long time, Nicole doesn't do a whole lot of talking. She tries to insert herself here and there, but it's mostly Chantel honestly just verbal diarrhea ranting at Pedro about how hurt she is, how she feels like nothing they established as a couple was real. She questions whether or not he actually loved her. And then when he tells her, I actually really did love you, it breaks her. He's like, it wasn't me. What? It wasn't me. I don't know what that means. I caught you taking on my girlfriend. It wasn't me. I don't know what that means. Me she neither. does throw allegations out there that he might have been with Karima. I don't know why I want to stick to this. He said it wasn't me. Oh, I love that when she brings up the fact that she had a conversation with Obed, the entire family falls out laughing. That was hysterical. So, it sounds, so what happened pretty much to me, what I, my takeaway is, she did that, she didn't believe him, and he was like, I, this and that, told her he loved her, he didn't cheat on her. I think when she got up and left the table and she was broken hearted, like Brandy, uh, her mind was telling her he was lying, but her heart was kind of telling her he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And maybe you screwed your own marriage. I think that's what happened. She was coming, almost coming to terms and probably being like, maybe I did 
wrecked my own marriage by accident, not knowing it. I don't think she thinks she she did it. I but she, she will. Thinks... She's trying to convince herself that he's lying. I think she wanted him to be a one dimension villain. I think she wanted him to be the bad guy. Because if, if he did just use her for whatever, and he didn't really ever love her, then she at least has a little bit of separation. But the fact that he said that he did, like sincerely said, he did really love her. It just wasn't going to work out. Do I believe him? That was too far. Do I believe him? No. I don't think they, I think they mistook lust for love. And then when they got together and actually really got, had to get to know each other. It was after the marriage. Yeah. They started to find little things about each other that they didn't like and started nitpicking. I don't think it was little things. I think it became really big things that they did not agree and on. Then that then it became one big thing that they couldn't get reconciled or get past. I think it started with big things and they dismissed those big things and then they started nitpicking on little things. Okay. And then when they were like, We gotta figure out a way to make this even across the board, they try to distract themselves with their careers. She all of a sudden wanted to get into nursing. He decided to get the reality license. But those distractions weren't working either. And it came to a point where Pedro was like, we're done. We're done, done. I'm not going to try to pursue this anymore. And now we are where we are. I also find it very interesting, the setup for all of this. We usually don't get a series of episodes for the downfall of a relationship on 90 Day Fiance. Usually, we don't do that. If they decide to break up, usually they're just break up, and that's the end of it. But this was a full six-episode six series of their breakup, and they went to great lengths to paint Pedro and his family as villains and to paint Chantel and her family as innocent victims. And now Chantel's going to be in the spinoff for Single Life. And I, clearly, that's purposeful. Okay. Uh, good for her. I don't know. To, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say to that. Do you Do you agree to that or no? I guess I do. I I have no choice. Why don't you have a choice? I don't know. Okay. Oh. Uh, well. What you the theory you had of Pedro just doing this last season? To help as, her, as a favor to her, as a favor to her, whatever, sure. It's just he put himself in that predicament. He could have just said no and went about his. his I think his he business. knew what he was getting into. I don't think he but, was surprised. I think part of that deal was the storyline for his mom and his sister. Sure. Okay. And my in my theory, my theory is that because they both had to agree, they signed paperwork to do this show. So I think in the conversations and negotiations about the fifth season for the family Chantel. The show was like, we really want to pursue this angle of what's going on in your relationship. And I feel like Chantel was like, you, at the very minimum, you owe me this so that I can move on to my next steps for this career. I think the other thing was, Pedro wasn't really about the reality TV life like that. Mixed martial arts, sure. But the reality TV life, I don't, I don't think it was something that was a passion of his at all. So I think, in my head, the theory is her and Pedro were able to agree to do one last season that focused on their divorce, that painted him in the light that it did, and then that would be it. 
And she would move on to her next endeavor, which was 90 Day Single Life. Good for her. She deserves it. Where's my water? It's just a water sitting on the table and I drank it. Okay. So, yeah. There's that's not, that's what I think. There's lots of water around There's the not, actually. That's the last bottle. Anywho. So. Here you go, Javon. You can have your water back. There's no water left. Anyway. But that's, I, that's it. We I had a whole too. episode of Chantel demanding to meet Pedro while simultaneously telling him to stay out of her life. Like but then we like also Pedro. got a very, very sad moment where Chantel realizes it's done. It's done, done. And her cry is not like her previous cries. This look, this was a real cry. She has to step away from the cameras. She's like, I can't do this. And you can actually see the tears falling out of her face. Yeah. I just like we always had tears because I drank some water a couple of seconds ago. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that that's it for me for the family, Chantel. Yes. Am I am I going to watch Single Day, uh, ninety Day Single Life? Yes. Of course yes, I, I am. am. Of course I am. Can't wait. I want to see her destroy all her uh, dates because she is going to. Then I want to see her mom destroy some of her dates too because she is still going to too. It's going to be a, her her uh, uh, Jim Kelly outfit doing her. Uh, Sifu Bailey. I mean, Sifu Bailey. She fought, she did Taekwondo. She didn't do Kempo. Kempo moves in the, in the mirror. <laughs> Chantel's going to be one of seven oh, uh, members for oh, a single wow. life. Seven? God, that's a lot of people. <laughs> well, actually, not really, because they're going to rotate them. And everybody's not going to have a good storyline, too. So, I guess. I don't know who some of these people are. Well, when we start talking, we'll introduce the people to that. Because we're going to talk about it on here. At some point. Who's that guy? That guy looks familiar. John McManus? Yeah. He was with somebody named Tice Ramon? Yeah. Is he gay? Oh, he actually, he's the brother of a 90-day couple. Okay. I still don't know who this is. Okay. But apparently he was on a lot of pillow talks. Yeah. I don't know who this lady is. That's the old lady. Debbie Aguero. She's an old lady. She was dating some dude from overseas. Yeah, somebody named Osama. Yeah. And uh, apparently he gave her groove back. Appar- I, apparently I, she realized he was just using her to come to the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> it's Calvin's boy, Teray. Teray. Wow. And That's he, gonna be he's a... from 90 days before, right? Before the 90 days, I want to say. Yeah, he's the one He's the one that he, got catfished. Got catfished. Uh, somebody named Veronica Rodriguez. Oh, I know who that is. I don't know why they're showing this picture. It's his best friend. Okay, yeah. It's the girl who was dating uh, Kimbali's son. Yeah, Kimbali. Kimbali's son. That girl. <laughs> he's in it too? Wow. Tim's in it too. He got a big ass fucking head though. Uh, Jesus, and Chantel? Chantel's gonna be in it. Okay, Natalie's cool. back. Natalie's okay. back. The I don't know what I'm going to do, okay? I sh- the OG. He's a nice man. He's a nice man, but um, he needs to make up his mind if he wants to marry me really or not. I like him. I've known him for two days and I want to know about marriage and how many children he wants. So let's move on to life after lockup. Okay. So the first couple I got is Aries and Cameron. Oh, that was the first couple you got? Yeah. Okay, we can go in your order. 
Whatever. So, so pretty much, Aries is out there looking at houses with her friend, while Cameron is starting to shoot a, a a music video in a script club. That's so you want to time uh time jump in. I can't get it out. You said, uh, that's all the summation I have, Joe. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much what it is. And they get into argument. But it, well, it's Aries talking about how they really need to find a place to stay because they're being evicted due to their HOA having a problem with Cameron's background. And I got to Google this, but I'm very sure an HOA can't evict you from a property Please. you're paying for. For the sake of us, just let it go. I cannot. I don't understand Please. this reasoning. Anyway, outside of that. Eris says she's looking for $400,000 homes on her data entry salary. Kelvin, do you think data entry people make hundreds of thousands of dollars to afford a $400,000 home? Yeah. Data entry? Yeah. Data entry. Data entry on here starts at like six or seven figures. No. Data entry? Not data analysis. Entry. Yeah. She's looking on um she's looking on the uh what websites is she using? What do you mean what websites? Yeah, what what websites are she using? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Calvin? What do you mean? What job websites are she looking these web these jobs up on? What, what, is she using like um She's she's not affiliated with the military at all. So do you know what civilian data entry people make? Not six figures. You're you're making this stuff up. You're lying. <laughs> you just don't want her to be great. That's what this is. You are crazy, um, and see. she's in, and she's in Miami. I'm on your, I'm your Miami. So she's Here, not looking. Zip on, recruiter, data she, entry salary in Miami, seventeen dollars an hour. She's not looking on Indeed.com or um. She's not on Indeed.com. No. Or none of that stuff. Calvin. She, she says she has a job. She doesn't need to look on Indeed. My point is the average salary for a data entry person is usually 40 a year. If that. Maybe less. She wants a $400,000 home. The monthly payment on that, two something. Easy. Two five, if not two eight a month. Why are you dipping and look, trying to look in her pockets? Because it's unbelievable. That's why. She's she's complaining that Cameron is delusional and wasting their money, and she's looking at four hundred thousand dollar homes. Maybe you don't know her God. What does that What does that mean? Maybe her prayers go up, and all her blessings really do come down. Okay, so I'm just gonna agree with Calvin then for the sake. <laughs> I don't she know what you want me to tell. Can make six figures and get a four hundred thousand dollar home in Miami on a data entry salary. I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's what she's banking on. Hopes and dreams. Or, or Cameron is making money that we don't know about. Like when they had that beach dinner that came out of nowhere. Okay, then. And why is she at the strip club getting in his business while you trying to work? To stay on the TV show. Whatever, sure. So, so that that is what happens. He decides to do his music videos. She decides to look for expensive, crazy houses. She says he is not being reasonable. He says likewise about her. Reality is neither of them are being reasonable. She decides to confront him at the strip club where he is filming his video. I didn't see him rap once in this video. And then booty 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 boxing everywhere. 
she she's more upset that he <laughs> the booty booty dropped booty 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 several else. thousand <laughs> to do back to back. She mad because that big booty girl on that stage getting it in. I don't think she's really mad about and she that. She don't look like that no more. I don't. She's Nor pregnant. does she have a booty like that. Next couple. Booty pops, booty pops, make it, make it, booty pops. Next couple. So she's just upset because she thinks he's spending money flivorously that they don't have. Mm-hmm. He's saying, if I make this money, I can double it or triple it with my content. Somebody's telling the truth, somebody isn't. Who knows? But like you said, they need content. So she gets there. They go back into the uh, dressing room with the strippers, I guess, dress and stuff. And they have an argument. She walks out. And that's pretty much the end of them. Who you got on your list for next? We can go with your list. I got Janome and Red next. Okay. Also pretty short. Janome and Red are finally back on the show. It's been a couple episodes. They finally made it to New Mexico. They did? Yay. And it was, honestly, it was sad to me. They get to New Mexico. Red's going on about how he can't wait to start his life with her, knowing full well he slept with his friend and didn't tell her. And then her son comes home, immediately shouts daddy and runs to Red. That made her want to flip the house. It made her want to flip the house? Made you want to flip the house. Oh, it not, did. Not a chair. This the poor house. little boy. This poor little boy is very attached to somebody who's not going to be a permanent fixture in his life. So Red is trying to walk around the house and get acquainted to being in the house and the surroundings. So him and... uh. The little boy name is Sway. They start playing a little bit. Janome's sister brought him back to the house. And Janome's talking to her sister. Her sister's meeting Red. Then her and her sister go off to talk in the kitchen, I guess, or something. What? Her Janome and her sister go to talk in the kitchen or something, right? She gets the boys out of the house. She just yeah. her says, go look at the car. Yeah, they go outside and play, pretty much. That's what they do. And she she starts to have a little conversation with her sister about everything. And her sister's like, you guys shouldn't get married right now. You guys should just try to get to know each other first. And then we come back to them, and Red is playing hide-and-go-seek with Sway in the house. And then Red's sister calls, Destiny. And they're talking about him possibly coming back to Missouri to see the family. Mm -hmm. And Red's like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back home and possibly the family, I need to talk to Janome first. Because Janome, every time I'm on the phone, she thinks I'm cheating or talking to another female or whatever. And he is. So, and that pretty much ends that scene. Yes. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure she's going to flip her stuff with the yaks to go I, to Missouri. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're almost done because they keep showing clips for Sean and Sarah, and we haven't seen them yet. Oh, we haven't seen those belligerent drunks, have we? I'm pretty sure we're getting close to the end of the storyline for Reddit, you know what I mean? So, I got Brittany and Karak next. Also pretty short. No Brittany. It's all about Karak trying to get a job and Karak's older brother, Desmond. Uh, Karak had a... So, I thought this was a straight job interview, but I think that's a hiring company. You know what I mean? Like a temp yeah. agency? Yeah. So, he's going through this agency that he got connected with, uh, with in prison. There was somebody he was working with in, in the prison who recommended him uh, because he has his certs and everything done. He's got some experience under his belt for HVAC work, I want to say. Yes. And uh, 
Karak's nervous about the interview process because one, Karak's a trans man. The identity documents that he has all have his old name and old identity. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to explain this. But also, former felon, right? Felon? Yes. So the the criminal background also. He's like, that's usually a big hiccup as well. So trying to show that I've moved on and learned from my mistakes. And also that the identity I'm presenting them is my who I am. And hopefully they don't get hu- too hung up on my documentation. And thankfully, Karak had nothing to worry about. He gets the job. And they continue to identify Karak the way that he wants to be identified. It was lovely. And then we go to the next issue Karak is facing, which is not hearing from his older brother, Desmond. So we go to a boxing gym, I guess. Or it could have been just a gym in general. They just happened to have a boxing, a power, a, a power bag. And so Karak's there with, I guess, a, is he a buddy or his yeah, friend. friend? And he's punching a bag and he starts talking about how he hasn't heard from his brother in a while. How he think his brother might be on that shit again. Why did, why did you scream? Why'd you scream that part? I'm, no, I'm sorry. On that stuff. On the smack. They don't say specifically. Booger sugar. What it is. They He's don't specifically say On the myths. But they do mention that they had to use Narcan once with the brother. To wake his punk behind back to a reality. So there's concern there. Karak and his mom are concerned about Desmond's potential use. Because they haven't talked to Desmond in a couple of days. And the behavior that Three days to be exact. The behavior they're seeing is very reminiscent to when Crack-ish. Desmond was using. So... It's a whole discussion about how Karak's mom blames herself, but also Karak telling his mom that she doesn't have control over that and she shouldn't blame herself, but Karak blames himself. It's a very interesting cycle, and that's kind of where we end it. And now for the epic log of Chance and Taylor. Also short. I thought we were going to get a Babo appearance. Nothing. So basically, uh, Taylor confronts Chance about who was the guy and tell me the truth. Chance finally tells her this dude. The guy that came by the house. The the guy that came by the house name is Bobble. He bought that bread. And he also still doesn't tell her the truth. And if he don't get that bread, I might end up dead. They still haven't. Like Fred. It's weird. But it is Taylor being like. This is the upteenth time Chance has not told me something or straight out lied about something. I can't get a clear answer. But I'm going to give him one more opportunity to do it. But instead of Chance answering, he flips the script and is like, well, maybe if we got married, you'd know some. (laughs) It's like, what? What? This is a strange way to gaslight me. And then he decides to throw a hissy fit on the bed, kicks his feet up in a fit of anger. Taylor leaves and is like, "I'm I'm not discussing marriage with you until we get some answers straight. And he does. He like, Flops on that bed, punches the air, and, and that's it. That's it. All she wrote. Now for Lindsay and Blaine. I feel like they wanted to oh, do Blaine. more. His name should be Blaine, not Blaine. Honestly, of the two, Blaine is the cool. <laughs> he's the he's the cooler cucumber of the two. Honestly. So basically, you have Lindsay and her daughter going to play basketball, and Lindsay talking to her about the possibility of her being Blaine's son's stepmother but she gotta get the mother no mother blessing. mother but she, she gotta get the mother she blessing wants adoption first. rights so then she's a how do you feel about blaine doing the same thing to you and her daughter goes ah! 
not at goddamn all. She didn't say that at all, but she did say no. She was like, no. You out your crackheadish mind, ma'am, mama. I also don't understand what Lindsay is expecting. Her daughter is 16, 17? 13. That child's only 13? 13. Dang. I swear they said 13. Dang. But she went to a prom. I have more questions. So. I could be wrong, but I swear they said she was 13. She's a teenager. She might be early teens. She might be later teens. But she is a teenager. And Lindsay's like, don't you want to have a full family, like a mom and a dad? And her daughter's like, no. No. I, when I wanted, I wanted it when I was younger. I'm older now. I don't need it. I didn't, I'm already getting at these boys. Getting, I'm already putting it down on these boys. I also, did you see the look on her face when Lindsay was explaining mm. how they have to look over, look after Blaine's son because Blaine's son's never had anything steady? You just mm-hmm. clocked the look on her daughter's face when she said that. Uh, speaking from experience. But the daughter was looked at her like same. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. I also was dealing with that. What are you talking about? It's very interesting. Like, the daughter is like, I'm happy to be living with y'all because she's living with, with Blaine and Lindsay and his son. But she's like, I think you're... The look she gave and the energy she seemed to be given, Lindsay, was like, you're doing the most right now, Mom. Like, we don't need to push all of this because Lindsay was like, Shane might be your dad, which means he could be your parent, which means he could be in control of you. No, no. And it's her daughter going, no, I don't, I don't want none of that. So after the daughter's pushback... We get the next scene of Blaine and Lindsay going to see Blaine's old lawyer. No, it's their lawyer. Remember, that was Lindsay's lawyer first. I thought it was Blaine's lawyer Mm -mm. first. When we got introduced to Blaine and Lindsay as a couple, and they had to go to see the lawyer for his stuff, Lindsay said, this is my lawyer. Oh, okay, cool. Well, she goes to see her lawyer who knows her well. Yeah, yes, that's how he knows her well. Um... So, he's like, you got, like, what, three counts? Yes. He says you have three outstanding counts against you. Weapons possession, drug possession, felonious mischief. You're looking up to, you're looking to up to 40 years. For all of those charges combined. It could be up to 40 years. The felonious mischief comes from her season of, <laughs> of Love After Lockup, where she carved this man's desk up and kind of wrecked his place. He pressed charges, and she said that she got 18 months because of it. Right? Sure. Was was that the time frame? I don't know. There's so many things going on. There's so many indictments. She's saying the last stint she did in prison was because of him. Supposedly. So so the lawyer's like, look, I probably can get you off, do some stuff, move some things around. He didn't say I could probably get you off. He said I want to try to keep you home. Home. I could probably keep you home. Move some stuff around, but it's gonna cost you twenty grand. But keeping her home is for now. Yeah, he said it's gonna cost you twenty grand. Anyway, look at it. She got paid him twenty grand. I wonder what this twenty grand is for. Is it for the initial work or is it for the full follow through? I think it's for the whole follow through because he doesn't say he doesn't say initial up front. I don't think this is initial up front. He doesn't say. But negotiation terms change when there's new aspects of a case that gets brought up. Like if it ends up going to court. That's a different charge. Okay. Anywho, all we know is it's twenty grand now. Okay. Like that. Um. So then Lindsay gets a bright idea. She needs to get get this money somehow. Well, Blaine brings up, we should tell your daughter what's yeah. going on, and she, and says she said no. no. So she gets in the, she meets up with an old friend named Six. I don't even know if this is a friend. I feel like this is a a worker of hers. An old crackhead worker of hers called Six. She said this person used to deal for her. Well, Sixth. 
sticks, Calvin, like like Blossom. Don't ever use that beautiful woman's name, Sixth, for this crackheadish woman's name. What was her name in Moesha? That's how everybody knows her. They don't know her as Sixth. Gorgeous. Okay, anyway. I don't know. Um, So she meets up with this friend, Six, and she's like, yo, you still know where everybody at because they still owe me money. This is how your ass got in trouble the first time. We meet Gangster Lindsay. We already met. This is a, a, a redone storyline for her. They did this last time with her and Blaine. She, pre- she presented like she was this mad gangster woman who got her money back from her people. She didn't get it then in the last season, but, so, but now she's back at it with like, I'm going to find these people and get my monies. And it's this weird thing where simultaneously they're like, she ruthless and she going to get this money. And then at the same time, she's charitable. The reason these people owe her money is because she helped keep them out of prison. Or she took care of their families while they were away or something like that. It's very weird. And that's pretty much it. She's on the road with six pulling up to somebody's house to get her money. That she paid, that she gave them for getting a for bond or get uh, bonding them out of jail or paying some fines or whatever. And the last couple I got is Michael and Justine. Boo. Boring story. So pretty much the whole storyline with them right now is just uh, Michael's mom not believing that Justine, that he's the father of Justine's child. Baby. Baby. According to her, things happen a little too fast. I can't blame her. <laughs> because they did happen a little too fast. No, it didn't. You have two overly fertile people. How do you know that they're both overly fertile? He has 19 kids. She has 18 to 20. But she, but he was also locked up. It's not like they met while he was still birthing these kids. I'm pretty sure when they saw each other, they probably had conjugal visits. And then why did she get pregnant during one of those? I'm if they were sure so super she fertile. She probably got pregnant on one of those. You're just going to assume Right this? before he got out. That don't make no sense. So she said she got pregnant in October. Babies, or no, July. Babies due in October. Or other way. Either way, it's like nine months exactly, basically. It's nine months exactly. I don't care. He has 17 kids. She has 16 kids. But There are two overly fertile you people. You could use that same argument that she could have that kid by anybody because she has so many kids. None of those kids have the same father. Just like none of his kids have the same mother. So that's also feeding so into So I don't know story. any of his kids is his. Did she, she uh, tested them. She tested them all? She tested them. God damn. That's why... Remember, his sister was like, mommy's going to do it. She's going to, you know, she's going to, because they talked about her DNA, DNA testing children last season. And they're bringing it up again now. So basically, that's their whole. I uh, loved her. I loved his mom. Storyline right now. She was like. She wants to. uh, She comes to the restaurant with a pregnancy test. First of all, they're like, we're having a, A a, a restaurant meet up with the moms just to like. Because they're supposed to tell them about their move to Las Vegas. They think they're going back to Rhode Island. They're supposed to let them gently know, we're going to Las Vegas instead. So they go to have this meetup to meet with the moms. I love that Michael's mom was like, Justine, I know it's been a little rough with us, but I just want to say congratulations on your baby. Here's a gift. DNA test. Hilarious. I also found it funny that everybody teams up on Michael's mom, and she does not flinch. Justine's mom is like, oh, are you saying my daughter's a tramp? Justine herself is like, I can't believe you're questioning me. Michael goes off the edge, throws a DNA test on the floor, and is like, I can't believe you're doing this, Ma. Mom doesn't flinch. Mom doesn't back down and goes, 
well, I, you know, I understand you feel the way you feel. I'm not calling anybody out their name, but also I'm going to test this baby. So it doesn't matter what you want. And they ended. I loved, loved it. Loved it. Just like I shut off my thing, that was the end. <laughs> so there's a it. lot of short stories. It's like they're filling it with couples that don't have a lot going on. They're like, let's give you 80 couples with, with two second storylines. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did because no one storyline was that long at all. I'm trying to remember when we first started watching Love After Lockup, do you think we were interested because the stories were good or were we interested because we hadn't seen it framed the way it was framed before? Both. I okay. think it was just the chaos. And going to be like, these. why are we in jail looking for significant others? The new, The newness of it, yeah. Why? Because I, I feel like up until... Pretty recently, it they stuck with like two or three couples. You gotta realize now you have to sensationalize it or make it people wanna watch it now because the nostalgia or the newness of it is gone. But okay, so for me, the last good season was the guy who wanted baloney and sex when he got out of prison. Yeah. Do you remember this crazy person? Yeah. I feel like that was the last good, good season, in my opinion. After that, it was just like a bunch of vignettes, like a bunch of really tiny stories for a bunch of couples. But even with that dude, that was like the sixth or seventh season. So it wasn't a new show, but the storyline was good. I think they're picking or getting people who will want to be famous mm. somewhat. So it's kind of watering down. Is it? I feel like it's the producers. I feel like the producers or maybe the show's direction. Are too involved. Less involved, I feel. I feel like it's less involved. I feel like they're like, we're here to get in, get out, next thing. That's how I feel. Okay. I guess, yeah. Because look at, um. oh, we didn't even see Chevelle and Quayle. No. <laughs> we didn't even see Chevelle and Quayle. But before them, the, the I want to say life after. No. Is it love during the, what, the, the season we watched before this with Renika and them? Yeah. The New York couple you couldn't stand. Yeah. I felt like they structured a lot of that story and then just ended it. Because you, they're trying to catch lightning in the bottle mm. again. They mm. want you to keep tweeting. The more you retweet, the more you... Uh, but it's a, it's a cable TV show, so it's not. The more you blog, the more you comment. Uh-huh. The more views they get, okay. the better the, the, the show is. So it's like trying to catch lightning again. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to recreate some of these couples with other couples. Because I wonder if there's a break after. Because you don't know which couple is really going to pop and catch everybody's interest. So they're just throwing this. That's what the season feels like. It feels like they're throwing everything at the yeah. wall, seeing what sticks. Like that girl from the Morticia from Buffalo. Uh-huh. Oh, from New York. I don't know if she was Buffalo or not. No, it is. It was Buffalo. The reason she popped and stuck because her shit was so outrageous that no one believed you could be this crazy. I disagree. I didn't like her storyline. It was at chaos. All. I did not like her storyline. It was, it was it was chaos. Okay. So um, you know whose storyline I did like? Remember the guy from DC who was who also did OnlyFans with his roommate, who was in love with him? Yeah. And you was talking to that lady in prison? Yeah. That was hilarious. So, 
stuff like that. You can't, it's hard to re- recreate that with new people. So you get a bunch of people, and whichever one sticks, you show them more. If you notice, when when one of those, one of these couples actually starts to get real recognition, they, 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 they show them more. Mm-hmm. They get more time. I'm trying to remember who, which couple that would be now. I'm thinking maybe Brittany and Karak. Might they be started the with that, one. but they kind of cut hers, theirs down. That was just this. That was just this portion. This like, portion. She's coming back. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But that's it. That's it for love life. Life after lockup. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to We Like That podcast. We like that. Remember to subscribe, give us five stars, and tune into more chaotic episodes. I'm Javon. I'm Calvin. Until next time. Later, people. Oh, yeah.